What's up, y'all? It's Kavya. Welcome back to the 18th episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I'm so excited to have the chance to talk to Kareth Burke, courtside reporter for the Golden State Warriors, part of NBC Sports Bay Area. So tune in to keep listening. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. I tried to do it on my laptop, but let's just do it on the phone if that's okay. Yeah, no, I'm doing it on my phone. Hi. I'm so excited. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I think it's really cool when people just ask for what they want. And yeah, it felt nice to say yes. I know, um, like, we've, I reached out to you, like, for the first time, like, two years ago when the Warriors were in the finals. I was just like, hey, like, you're awesome. And um, I just want to thank you for Aww. just always being really supportive and, you know, always, like, you know, writing back to me and giving me great advice. So thank you so much, yeah. firstly. Uh my pleasure. It's really, it feels really nice to help people, especially students who have a plan and want to say something and want to create something. So it's really my pleasure. Thank you. Um, well, firstly, I mean, we're all living in such an unprecedented time right now. So what kinds of things are you doing to, you know, spend your time and keep yourself busy? Uh, things outside of work or what Both, do you in and out oh, of work. Okay. Yeah, at work. Um, well, the Warrior season is over. It has been <laughs> officially yeah. over. As the other teams get ready to go to Orlando, the Warriors have to figure out what they want their summer to be. And summer is usually the quietest time of the year. So usually, um, my husband and I like to travel. Um, basically, like I like to ghost work for about four months. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that right now. I really want to be visible. I want to be a part of the conversation. And there is Warrior stuff to talk about. So at work, I've been doing roundtables. I've been doing podcasts. We're recording like two podcasts a week. Um, I'll, I'll give you a preview. Our next guest is Damian Lee. Mm -hmm. That one tomorrow. So it's just preparation. Um, preparation, I feel like, is the most important part of my job. Um, and then the little things that we do each week to stay um, engaged with Warriors fans and to write things for the website, just making sure those are um, as best as possible. Yeah, I mean, I've been keeping in touch with all your podcasts, and you've had so many awesome guests, like the last few months, Sue Bird, Megan Rapino, oh, Sabrina, no, no, like that, those are insane, <laughs> like those are so awesome to watch, and I'll talk about, you know, those, you know, those guests and your conversations with them a little later, but, you know, obviously you're a reporter for the Warriors now, but when did you, like, was there a moment in time where you realized, you know, reporting was something you wanted to do, like journalism was kind of going to be in your career? Yeah, um, it started in fourth grade. Um, my and I remember my teacher's name it was Mrs. Bryant. Um, she invited a local news crew to come to our classroom because we were talking about elections. So we had a mock election. And we got to fill out our ballot and you know stuff. We were learning about democracy. And I was such a teacher's pet that when the reporter needed somebody to talk to, Mrs. Bryant's like. <laughs> So it was the coolest thing. It was my first time on camera. I felt so special talking to a reporter. I got to tell my parents when I got home, we got to watch TV. So <laughs> my first interaction with reporting was like, you get to be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but as I discovered more about reporting, and um, my family reads the newspaper every day, the news was always on, we wanted to be informed. Yeah. Um, I sort of grew up a little bit and realized um, like the duty you have when you're supposed to report the truth and tell people's stories and there's a responsibility <laughs> in that. Um, I was the editor of my school paper. Um, I've just always liked this. Mm -hmm. um, in college, I got to explore print and television and radio. 
and I took the first job that was offered to me, right? Like I thought I was going to end up um, a newspaper writer, but no, I got my first job in TV. So that helped chart my course. Mm -hmm. I always knew I was going to be a reporter. Yeah. I just wasn't sure what shape it would take. And I've had such a happy and charmed and, and lucky career. Yeah, I mean, I, again, with what you said, like I love sharing stories and talking to people. I think that's such yeah. an awesome part of like what you guys do. Um, yeah. Like right now, you know, you're, your your life is so involved in sports like warriors basketball was sports a large part of your life when you were growing up yeah um my dad taught my sister and i how to play ice hockey soccer tennis golf wow uh, yeah <laughs> in high school i did basketball cross country and track um so i've always loved sports and they've always been on at the house like the olympics were always on at our house yeah. i remember watching the bulls dynasty with my parents um, they like to have like a little bet on football every weekend. Yeah. So yeah, um, I was okay at all the sports, like mm -hmm. probably average or maybe a tiny step better than average, but not good enough to get a scholarship in anything. Did so you have, sports... like, oh, go ahead, <laughs> go sorry. Ahead. no, go ahead. Well, did you have like a favorite team, like pro team? Oh, my parents like the Patriots. Okay. So that was on a lot. Um, my dad likes the Bruins. When we watch hockey, it was the Bruins. Um, for me, not really, because I'm from an army family. So we moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, so sports was always on, but there's nothing in my house like growing up, um, like pom poms for any kind of team. Yeah, yeah. For us, it's Warriors, all Warriors. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because we're just like Bay Area and like Warriors are just such an amazing team. And we have yeah. Stanford, like basketball right around the corner. Um, nice. Like Oregon. Like, obviously, we all love Sabrina. She's insane. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. It was Pac-10 school when I went. I went to Wazoo. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, the Pac-12 is an amazing league. Yeah, I was going to talk about your experience at Washington State next. So <laughs> what kind of things were you involved in in college? Ooh, um, I got involved pretty early, starting my freshman year, because that was open to me, with doing doing shows for the student network called Cable 8. Um, so I did some newsy kind of shows, but also yeah. silly stuff like sketch comedy that we thought yeah. was hilarious, but it's really <laughs> terrible looking back. Um, I did some radio. Radio was actually my favorite thing I've done in school. I got to be a DJ for two and a half years. No way. Uh, just, yeah, just sitting in like a small, it was basically like a closet. And record companies like indie labels would send you the music and then you got to play it. So you got to discover all sorts of new things. That's so cool. um, and sometimes it felt like you were just talking to yourself in a booth or other times like your friends would listen. But yeah, yeah that was my favorite thing, actually. And, you know, little of this, little of that, just trying to be involved as much as I could be. Mm -hmm. And I had this feeling my senior year of college yeah. where I was just happy. And I was thinking if I could get paid for exactly what I'm doing now, I'll yeah. be happier for the rest of my life and my career. It worked out for me. I know um, Clay also went to Washington State. I, w yeah. I always want to know, do you guys ever talk about your experiences there or have little, like, Washington State moments or not really? A little bit. Um, I graduated a little bit before him, so we didn't overlap. Um, mm -hmm. But basically, anytime he comes over to me, he goes, go Cougs. So there's always <laughs> something. Nice. Yeah. It turned out we lived in the same dorm a few years apart. Yeah. Um, it was by the soccer field, and um, he lived on the fourth floor, and I lived on the third floor. So we have yeah. had that in common. We have that in common. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. 
Nice. Um, so after college or in college, like what was your first experience with sports reporting? Well, actually, I got my start in news. My first job for two years was in news, and it was a small station in Washington. I'm, I'm glad I got to start in my home state. Um, so I was a one-man band. So I had the camera on my shoulder. I would do the interviews, and I would come back and edit what I shot, um, write the story, present the story. Um, news, I really liked news. It was a nice taste of how to do this job. Yeah. But there were some sad things with news. You know, you have to cover stories where you know, there's a house fire or mm -hmm. where children get hurt or you just discover yeah. like how crappy people can be to other people. There's a yeah. lot of corruption or just meanness or like a lot of ugly things. Mm -hmm. So I was discovering that I was really sensitive and I was bringing some of that stuff home. I was sad frankly, covering news. Um, the good side was because my station was so small, I got to dabble in everything. So yeah. when the sports director said, hey, I need some help shooting Friday night football. I was like, me, 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 pick me. Yeah. And then I got to have like a little taste of sports. And then when the sports director left, I knew how to do the job. I was already filling in for him on holidays or vacations or whatever. Yeah. So I got to be the sports director for a little bit. And I loved it. Everything I love about this in industry, I get to do without the really sad stories where people die, yeah. frankly. So I've never been happier in sports, um, but I got to taste a little bit of other things to decide, ooh, I, I, don't, really, I don't really like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember after I interviewed Jasmine Thomas, I reached out to you and I was like, you know, hey, I interviewed Jasmine Thomas. And then you told me you covered, you know, some of her in the ACC, like Duke and UNC. Yeah. What, was, what was that like, you know? Yeah. I those are um, basketball powerhouses. Oh, for sure. And now you see some of those women, they're still in the WNBA. Like Jasmine Thomas's career has been long. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It was cool. Um, it's, it's just good basketball. It's basketball country there. Um, yeah. Men's basketball really dominates the conversation, but it doesn't have to be that way. The women are fantastic as well. Um, and I think when you show up for people, um, because they don't get as much coverage, but they start to pay attention to who's there. And that's really how you build relationships. Um, sports is such a small world. You never know who you're going to see in the future. And those are fun moments when you see, uh, when you see people succeed. Yeah, totally. Um, after, you know, the ACC, you covered UConn for a little bit too, right? Like in the East yeah. Coast? I, I mean, covered UConn for four seasons, and they happened to win four consecutive national championships. That was the year, like, Brianna Stewart's class came in, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, yeah, Brianna Stewart, Morgan Tuck, and Mariah Jefferson, all crazy. of them are in the WNBA now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that must have been, like, crazy to, like, look back on. Like, you were there for those four years. Like, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that moment in time, I, I don't know if I'll ever have a moment like that in my career. Like, I've gotten to cover a Warriors championship. I've gotten to cover a gold medal. And those are, all of these things are highlights in my career. But to have a taste of this four-year span, that recruiting class for UConn lost five games total. That's they insane. To, I know, right? That's they ridiculous. need to be in the conversation with John Wooden, uh, John Wooden's teams as like, yeah. they won more. Gina Oriema has won 11 championships, but because Thanks. it's women, people don't talk about it in the same way. Yeah. I mean, what, what was it like, you know, experiencing Coach Gino, like, firsthand? Like, what was – is there, like, anything you learned from him or, you know, kind of saw from him that you thought, you know, made this team such, like, a legendary team? Yeah, you – I mean, his whole philosophy was you have to practice harder than you play. Yeah. Especially when the talent on your roster is so strong that you are going to dominate your opponent. 
So mm -hmm. how do you get better when you're better than everybody else? It really has to come from inside of yourself. You have to practice to make yourself better. It's almost like the game within the game concepts. You need mm -hmm. to play against yourself when the competition isn't that strong. And, and I see some of the same parallels with the Warriors um, during their dynasty. They knew when they stepped on the floor, they could pummel the opponent by 30 yeah. points. So how do you stay engaged? How do you keep getting better? Because if you're not at a high level heading into playoffs, you're going to get caught. So yeah. how, how do you always find growth in what you're doing when you're at the top of your game? Yeah, I mean, that's that's so in, insane <laughs> that you've got to cover those four years. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in common, like, with all the reporting you've done with, like, Duke and then at UConn, you've got to talk to some amazing women and, like, women in sport. Um, what do you want people to like learn from these women when you like talk to them? Like, what do you want to people to see? Because a lot of the times, you know, we don't get to see a lot of women in sport or like yeah. a lot of female athletes on TV or even in the news. But so what would you want people to see from them? I want women athletes to be recognized for the greatness they possess. And I want, every time we talk about women's athletes, it's about their womanhood or it's about yeah. feminism or it's about what the worst people say about them. And it's like, can you react to that? It's like, no, I don't really want to ask them questions about being a woman anymore. I don't want to suck the oxygen out of the room by asking them questions about sexism. Mm -hmm. I want them to never have to deal with that stuff again. I don't want the worst people, you know, the get in the kitchen folks to determine what I ask Diana Taurasi, like one yeah. of the best, players of all time why would I waste her time talking about sexism mm -hmm. so I just want there to be a reframing of the conversations that female athletes have mm -hmm. um, so we don't waste their time and so we recognize how great they are at what they're doing I think you know like tying back to what you said in one of your podcasts you talked about recognizing instead of like women's sports just sports because mm -hmm. you know they're they're literally playing sports and at <laughs> such a high level and like you know reframing the conversation as you said that's like such a great point yeah. Um, and I think from talking to all these women that I've interviewed and including yourself, you know, I, I feel selfish because I get to learn so much from all the people I interview. What is, what are some things, you know, you've learned from the, you know, female athletes you've interviewed? You know, you mentioned something interesting. I don't know that it's selfish to, to learn from people. Actually, I don't think so. Like take from the greats, you know, yeah. we're obligated to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, can you ask your question one more time? I just lost it. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What do you want to learn from these people? Like, what do you learn from these athletes that you cover? I learn, I learn about confidence and I learn about being unapologetic, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I, I need to check myself more on because sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't write that thing. Is it going to be good enough? Mm -hmm. Um I find myself shrinking myself sometimes. And then, you know, I talk to these, these women who are in their element, the best of what they do, and I see their confidence and I want to exude that kind of confidence. It's sort of like a waste of time to ever shrink yourself. So can I get over that? Like there's this concept called, um, oh, inf not inferiority, imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, where you feel like you don't deserve to be mm -hmm where you are you're not good yeah. enough um and that's a bunch of baloney and i really yeah. need to work on that and i'm inspired by women especially younger than me who have this figured out and i'm like wow how do you do that it's yeah. it's um 
it's cool to be in the presence of those kind of folks who have themselves very figured out. Yeah, totally. Like that's something I always ask all the women I interview, like, how do you build that confidence? Because a lot of the times, you know, there are moments in our lives and our you know careers where we feel down ourselves and we don't, you know, feel deserving of opportunities and stuff, which I wanted to ask you later on. Um, mm -hmm. Like if you felt experiences in your career, I'll just ask you now, like, were there times in your career where you felt not confident or you doubted yourself? And like, how did you get out of that kind of hump? Yeah, absolutely. When I started my job at SNY, um, it was going to be a network job. So I wouldn't have to have the camera on my shoulder anymore. It would be all about telling the story. Mm -hmm. Well, SNY is also a baseball network. And I didn't grow up with a lot of baseball. I don't know the rules as well as, or at that time, I, I didn't. Um, and it was going to be in New York City. That's the number one market in the country. And I was intimidated, frankly. Yeah. I was like, people are gonna think I'm a phony. Um, you know, all sorts of like things yeah. were running through my head. It was that lack of confidence. And the only way you get through that is just by doing it. And maybe one of the biggest things you can learn is how to make a mistake because mistakes are going to be inevitable. Totally. So breaking it down in like a smaller way, anytime I go live, I'm honestly not that nervous anymore um, because of the experience that I've built and the kind of peace that I have with recognizing that occasionally I'm going to say the wrong word or stumble. And the best way to recover from a mistake is just to smile and move on. You don't have to draw attention to it, or you can laugh a little bit at yourself, like be in on the joke, but yeah. keep going and you're totally fine. So I had to remind myself, maybe this opportunity feels like something I'm not quite ready for, but if you always wait for the moments you feel ready for, you're not gonna take any sort of big leap. What kind of growth yeah. are you going to have? So taking that job at SNY scared me, frankly, but I had to do it and it yeah. turned out well, and that job opened up time with UConn. It helped me um, cover the 2016 Olympics. That in turn helped me get the Warriors job. So there was just a chain of events that wouldn't have started unless I confronted my fear and said, what are you doing? Just go yeah. for it. Just do it. You can do it. Totally. And I think, you know, we see all these athletes and even yourself, like, you know, you're courtside reporter for the Warriors. Like, that's such a high level, like, so amazing. But we don't see kind of the path that they took to get there. And I think a lot of the times we emphasize, like, results and we don't really focus on, you know, the journey. You know, we see Sabrina putting up triple doubles every single night. We don't see the journey. We don't see, like, her grinding in the gym, you know, after, like, her games. Um, yeah. I think, you know, that's, like, super important is that we emphasize, you know, kind of the the path that and the journey that you know people take to get to those amazing like spots and speaking of Sabrina um I, I know you talked with her about this in your episode about like athletes using their platform to talk yeah. about you know really important things um and I think uh, well firstly how important is it for athletes to kind of use their platforms and talk about you know things beyond you know what's happening on the court yeah, um, Megan Rapino talks about that really powerfully, and so did Sabrina. Said, like, if we're going to represent brands, you know, if we're going to get money from sponsorships, or even with Megan, she's on Team USA. If you're going to represent your country, how do you want your country to be even better? How do you want to use your freedoms? How do you want to use your voice for the betterment of everybody? So athletes are sensing their, their power and the value of their voice because people look up to them. They are on a pedestal. So if they want to create if they want messages of positivity and change to go out there, 
they have the perfect bullhorn as athletes, you know, mm -hmm. athletes are worshiped. So yeah. a lot of athletes are beginning to even call this a duty or like it's mm -hmm. their obligation to speak yeah. out for, for good things. Um, and that's really interesting because that's also, you know, it can be very scary. Um, if you're Sabrina and you're a rookie in the league, then maybe the messages you're getting are like, pay your dues a little bit, Rook, wait a few years, you know, don't do that just yet. You've got to decide what's important to take action on now. And I think somebody like Sabrina has a really good head on her shoulders for speaking up, um, for knowing that there's a lot of attention on her. So how does she use that attention in a positive way? Even... Um... Totally blanked out. I don't know what I was going to say. But oh, yeah, even as reporters, like you have the duty, you have the power to like kind of shape stories and amplify athletes voices like beyond, you know, what's who's dribbling the ball, like who's like what's happening on the court. So what's your take on like how you how much power you guys have on like shaping the story and amplifying their voices? Yeah, well, if reporters say post game, if reporters get three, if I get three or four questions with the player afterward, there's a lot of power in determining what those questions are. Yeah. Um, I will usually ask a question about the team first um, because people like to talk about things other than themselves first. Mm -hmm. Then you can ask the player about a good performance and then you can decide whatever big picture stuff you want to talk about. Because yeah. I imagine um, this season or next season when the Warriors are back on the floor, there are going to be a lot of social things. There might be something in the stands. There might be somebody wearing a t-shirt. There might be mm -hmm. something on the court. And it would be important not to miss that moment yeah. and to ask Steph or Draymond, hey, you played on a court. This is Black Lives Matter. What does that mean to you? Yeah. And it's a very simple question, but you tee it up for them to answer. Um, so I don't want to let those moments pass me by. It's important to prompt players um, while the cameras are on to, to let them use that platform. Yeah. And speaking of Steph, you know, Steph, LeBron, um, you know, Megan, as you said, like, there's so many athletes who are using their platforms and speaking out about, you know, all the injustices in our country. And, you know, even just like, you know, about wearing masks, you know, things like that, they're using their platforms yeah. to educate others. What do you think it is about athletes that, you know, why are they always at the forefront of, you know, this movement of change, you know, fighting for injustice, you always see athletes kind of leading the movement? Yeah, that's a good point. And athletes bring people together. You can even say that literally. There are like 16,000 people at Oracle Arena. Or in one of the biggest football stadiums, there might be 100,000 people. And those are all types of walks of life with one cause, rooting for their team. So if their favorite player says something, that's a megaphone to a lot of people. So there's this idea, again, that the worst kind of people lead. It's like, stick to sports, keep politics out of it. Sports is my refuge. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But athletes have always been at the forefront of this stuff because sports are played by people. People have people problems. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect place to talk about society's ills um, because these athletes experience the same things as their neighbors do. Just because yeah. they're rich doesn't mean, you know, they don't feel the effects of racism or sexism or homophobia, for example. So it's a way to have a megaphone and to have people care because that caring is already built in because of their fandom. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point. And, you know, I think I, it's, it's so inspiring to see all these athletes kind of lead the movement and talk about all these important issues that need to be talked about. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit, talking about the Warriors, because I think, you know, I, I really want to talk about the Warriors. Love the Warriors. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you have, you know, an interview or like a moment with the Warriors, which, you know, kind of st stick out to you? Like for me, 
I mean, the finals atmosphere is insane. Um, when cl headband clay, like that was crazy. <laughs> the 14 threes. Um, or even when clay like put up 43 points. And then I think it was like the post game interview where he was like really happy. That was really funny. Clay, yeah. clay is just awesome. I love clay. <laughs> he's a unique guy. And he's one of those interviews where I look forward to interviewing him, but I have no idea what he's going to say. So there's like, my heart is pounding when I talk to him. I'm like, what is this going to be like? Are we going to end up? Is this going to be a meme? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite moments was that headband clay night. So it was in Chicago. It was one of the first games of the season. Um, he was wearing the headband, remember, because like Damien yeah, yeah. Jones, like got him with an elbow. Um, my favorite thing about that game was seeing Steph Curry's giddiness yeah. to feed him, to try to get those assists, because he was going to break Steph's record if it happened. And then behind the scenes, in the hallway, um, is where I did the post-game interview. And Clay was just, he was just high on the accomplishment. And I'm not he doesn't really have a big ego. He could just tell, like, what he did was really cool, and he's getting yeah. a lot of attaboys from everybody. Yeah. And he said... You know, he's got the ball in his hand as he's doing the interview. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that game ball? And he's like, I'll hang on to it until the record is broken. And he said, I think the record will be broken again this season. And he's like, when that happens, I was like, well, what are you going to do with the ball? And he said, I'll just give it to Rocco so he could play with it. <laughs> so, like, Clay just, he had an attachment to the ball as the record, but he would just give it up when the moment came. And I thought, that is the perfect encapsulation of Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay Thompson's a, he's a unique guy, like you said, and I always <laughs> love watching him play, and I can't, like, I miss him this season, like, I'm so excited for him to get back on the court. Um, yeah, I too. Yeah, so what's your favorite part about reporting for the Warriors, and, like, what's the most challenging part? Oh, my favorite part is just getting caught up in the history and, like, the greatness of what you're covering. Yeah. It even goes back to UConn, where in the moment, maybe because it's happening, it's really hard to zoom out on things when you're present in them. So in hindsight is really only when I could appreciate the fact that I got to witness four consecutive championships. Yeah. So now I'm trying to think like, what would my kids ask me? What would they say about like, whoa, you got to cover Steph Curry and yeah. Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Like, what was that like? And I'll have to figure out what to say because in the moment, it's hard to it's hard to recognize that. So I think my favorite part of the job right now is really trying to be in the moment to recognize greatness for what it is. Yeah. Um, so even stuff like appreciating having a coach like Steve Kerr, mm -hmm. who's very kind and giving to media like this job could be a lot crappier if he was a jerk and he's not. And because he's not a jerk and because Steph Curry's not a jerk, it's like the locker room is a really friendly and healthy place. Mm -hmm. And that's worthwhile because it's not like that everywhere else. Yeah. Um, some of the challenges of covering the team are just coming up with fresh stories. Um, fans always want to know stuff behind the scenes. Sometimes reporters' access gets smaller, um, especially this season. Um, and people always ask, like, what was it like covering a team that was not good this year? The Warriors won 15 games. They had the worst record in the league. Um, how do you keep coming up with compelling things for yeah. fans to pay attention to? And that's just when you need to get creative and you need to make sure your quality is good, whether it's a 73-win season yeah. or a 15-win season. Um, so it's just having those moments of appreciation, whether the team is good or bad, like just – enjoying you know I, I keep coming back to this idea of like being in the moment 
And um, that's something I'm feeling in my life too, not just in, in sports. I know you'll probably like look back on these years, you know, reporting the Warriors and be like, dang, like that was, that was crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, covering a championship. That was my first professional championship that I've covered. Wow. And that was my first year covering the team. So it was like my rookie season. I was like, wow, this is a big stage. Yeah. You kind of realize when people come up to you, um, like how many people are watching. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried to not pay attention to that or I would have felt intimidated. Yeah. Well, firstly, before I ask you the last question, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. It was so fun talking to you and I learned yes. a lot. Oh, this was really cool. I love your confidence. You, you have it. You have that natural thing. So I'm excited to see where your reporting career goes. Thank you. Okay, so the last question I have, I asked this to all the women I interview because I like, you know, getting all the different answers and, um, you know, insights. But what's the most important thing that we should be taking, teaching young women today? I want to think before I answer this one. Yeah, this is a biggie. <laughs> I think um, what I'll say in this moment, what comes to mind is a self critique. And it was being a woman in sports, I felt very competitive. Mm -hmm. And maybe you are the only woman in the locker room, maybe you are the only woman doing the job, or if someone else comes along, you wanna be better than them. Mm -hmm. So while it's important to have ambition and to strive to be the best, don't let jealousy cripple like who you make as a family in reporting because mm. it's a lot easier to walk next to people as colleagues and friends than to look at them like competition earlier in my career i i would say i had a problem with jealousy you know i would covet what people had or like how did she get that job i know i could do it but i didn't recognize the work that it took to get there i wanted it but i didn't want the journey you had to go on to earn it mm -hmm. So as I think about maybe people looking at me, I want her job. How did she get that? I hope they recognize what it takes, but I also hope that we can be colleagues and we can help each other instead of not helping each other. It's a lot easy when you have um, a group of women who are all going through the same thing with you um, and to call, to call them colleagues and friends. Yeah, that's a great point. And I don't think anyone's really said that before. And that goes back to the idea of kind of like focusing on the process and respecting that process, not solely the results. So, you know, that's a great point. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun, like I said, and can't wait for the next Warriors season and the new podcast. Is it with, you said it was with Damian Lee? Yeah, we're taping the Damian Lee one tomorrow, which should come out later this week. That's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so really much again. Cool. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, this is really fun. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome.